Well, if you have a Bible this morning, and I hope you do, find the book of Luke. And we're going to be in chapter number 9, Luke chapter 9. Over the past number of weeks here, we have been uh, talking very specifically about these different encounters that Jesus had with uh, different people, where, where in one way or another, a person had a physical encounter, or a group of people, a physical encounter with the very Son of God. Understand, we've been saying this every week, Jesus was a real person. A real person who lived in a real place during a real time in history. Uh, You can read about Jesus in history books, even outside of the Bible. And incredible things began to happen when people encountered Jesus uh, in one way or another. And this morning, specifically, we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus has with his closest followers, with his disciples And then we're going to see this encounter, in a way, spill over into this massive crowd of people. And so, here we go. That's enough of an introduction. Uh, I want to ask you to stand with me all over this place, and we're going to read together. uh, Luke chapter 9, starting in verse number 18. If you have a Bible, follow along. Otherwise, uh, we'll have it on the screen for you uh, as well. And so, uh, here we go. Let's do this. Luke 9, verse 18 says this. One day... Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Only his disciples were with him, and he asked them, Who do people say I am? Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the ancient prophets risen from the dead. Then he asked them, But who do you say I am? Peter replied, You are the Messiah sent from God. Verse 21. Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. The Son of Man must suffer many terrible things, he said. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of religious law. He will be killed, but on the third day he will be raised from the dead. Then he said to the crowd, listen to this, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are yourself lost or destroyed? Let's pray. God, we, we look to you today. We look to your very word uh, to to give us, in a way, a roadmap to straighten us out, to align us, to challenge us. And, and God, I just pray that as we take a few moments together and study and talk this out, Lord, I pray that something significant would happen, something would even well up inside of us, this desire and this hunger to serve you and to know you more. And so, God, I pray that you would use me. I pray that you would speak through me. Holy Spirit, we are, we are desperate to hear from you today, and so we just pray and ask for you to move, uh, and it's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, give somebody a high five and go ahead and have a seat. I want to, I want to say something before I start. Words, these are words that I say what feels like all the time, but it's something that is so, is so apparent and so massive in my life, and that is this, the way that you approach a moment just like this has everything to do with God moving in and through you from his very word. And last week I wasn't here, I was actually at a church in the cities uh, kind of with my family and we were worshiping together and, and I was at this church, it was a friend of mine as one of the pastors there 
And I sat through this message, and to be honest, the message like itself wasn't really, I'll just say it wasn't really my style. It was kind of a little bit all over the place, and I kind of, I struggled a little bit during the sermon, but I left that Sunday morning so moved by God and moved by something from the scripture. Uh, And it, it literally has changed some things in my life. So understand what I'm saying here. I can be terrible at this here, okay? I can put you to sleep, and some of you I will, but you, but you very well, you very well could leave this place today with something so significant from God in your life, but it all has to do with, are we going into this moment with that openness and that excitement, okay? Are you with me? Okay, we like to say, sit on the edge of your seats and... Okay, lean in. Those are the words. We, we like to say that every week. But all right, so enough of that. Uh, did you know that there are actually different kinds of vegetarians? I know, kind of a weird thing to start off with. But uh, uh, when, when I think of vegetarian, I just think of somebody who doesn't eat meat. I haven't really studied this stuff a whole lot, but I, that's just what I think. But apparently there are different kinds of this. And if you are a vegetarian here today, please don't get offended. If, you know, you can send me an email afterwards. My email address is Corey at, all right, that's, yeah, if you're first, your first time here, that's one of the other pastors. That's not me, and so that was a joke, and most of us got it. Pastor Corey actually today is in Long Prairie. We have a second location of our church, if you didn't know that, and they're doing, they're doing water baptisms over there today, and they have like 10, and it is just an exciting. Some of you are like, I'm going over there. So, yeah, so that's a really cool thing. But uh, I understand there are all sorts of opinions on eating and vegetarians, and, and if that's you today, and, and you're sick of people making fun of the fact that you don't eat bacon and whatever else, and I'd rather die than not eat bacon, and I get it, okay? We're all on the same page. But... Uh, in all seriousness, like I actually do see, if you study any of this a little bit, th- there is very, a, a whole lot of value in a plant-based diet. We're seeing that in some of the healthiest people all around the world. Uh, it, it is a seriously a great thing. But you know this and I know this. There are all sorts of opinions on what eating healthy looks like, and this has resulted in all sorts of different diets and different vegetarian type of and vegan classes and labels. I was reading something this week that jumped out at me, and and, uh, there is a group that actually calls themselves the Flexitarian. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, A Flexitarian is someone who considers themselves vegetarian, but they actually make some strategic exceptions. Yeah. Uh, Now, at its core, this idea of a Flexitarian is a system that sees the benefit of a plant-based diet, but also some of the benefits of some of the other healthy type of meats, okay? Uh, But understand, all sorts of people have begun to jump into this idea of a flexitarian, and a whole lot of them aren't really doing this for the right reasons. Let me show you this. I was watching a video this week of a, they were interviewing people, and this 28-year-old a uh, woman named Christy explained her flexitarian lifestyle like this. She said, I usually eat vegetarian, but I really like sausage. 
Yeah, and she said it just like that. I was like, okay, that's great. Like, I'm totally a vegetarian, but I really like meat, and so I eat meat. But I'm actually a vegetarian, okay? So this is what she was saying. Another so-called flexitarian simply said it this way. I really like vegetarian food, but I'm just not 100% committed. You hear that? I'm just not 100%. I'm a vegetarian, but I'm just not 100% committed. Now, a few moments ago, we, we read a story from the Gospel of Luke where Jesus has this private interaction with his closest followers, with his disciples. And, and before we get too far into this story, I want to give you a little bit of the backstory, the background to this situation. At this point in the life of Jesus, Jesus has been traveling the northern part of Israel. This is where he grew up. Uh, Jerusalem is kind of in the south the Sea of Galilee and Nazareth, way up to the north, and this is where Jesus spends most of his life and most of his ministry, actually. And so he's traveling up there, he's teaching, he's doing miracles. In fact, the chapter before, Jesus has literally just rose, like, he, he rose a little girl from the dead, the chapter before. And because of this, people are going nuts. And they're coming from all over to see what's going on. And a massive, massive crowd begins to form. How big is this crowd? In the beginning of the same chapter that we just read, we actually have the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. Okay, 5,000 plus women and children is what it says. We're talking thousands and thousands of people who, have, who are now following Jesus around. Why are they following him? Because he's so amazing. They're following him because he's doing miracles because he's doing crazy things, and people are just like, I've got to see what's happening. So picture with this with me. Thousands and thousands of people are all over the place, following him everywhere he goes, but the Bible says he still finds time to sneak away by himself early in the morning, usually to pray. That's exactly what we happen, what happens right here. If he feeds the 5,000 people, and then the story says he sneaks off with his disciples to go pray. And he uses this time with his 12 disciples to teach them something, to teach them what it actually looks like and what it means to follow him. And this is the encounter that we're going to focus on today, this encounter with, of, of Jesus and his disciples as they have split away. And what we've been doing in this series of messages, I guess, as we, that we've called encounters, is we've been just simply reading through the story, talking, kind of talking it out, and then just really making some observations and allowing the word of God to just speak to people. And we've found that it just speaks to different people in different ways, and it's just been a beautiful thing. So here we go. Let's start here. Verse number 18, and we're just going to talk this out. We already read it together, but now we're going to go Nice and slow, and we're going we're gonna to get through this, all right? So follow along. Take some notes. Write some things down. I don't see enough paper around here, all right? So here we go. Uh, verse 18, one day Jesus left the crowds to pray alone. Picture that. 5,000 people plus women and children, they're everywhere. He sneaks off. Only his disciples were with him, and he asked them, private conversation now, who do people say I am? Luke chapter 5 says Jesus often withdrew to lonely places. This, okay, it was important for Jesus to get away at moments. That should challenge us. Okay? If we are not finding time to spend alone with God, then we are missing something that was very important to Jesus. Okay? That's the first thing, regular thing in Jesus' life. But this particular situation is a little different than the others because it specifically says that his disciples were with him. Oftentimes Jesus is all by himself. So he gets away and he says, Who? Do people say that I am? 
Verse 19, the disciples respond, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the uh, ancient prophets risen from the dead. Jesus says, who do people say that I am? They respond with a few different answers. So it's kind of like the people are talking because miracles are happening and the crowd's going, I think he's this and I think he's this and this must be who he is. And the disciples have heard this stuff and, and they're going to tell Jesus. So they start by saying, some people say you are John the Baptist. Who's John the Baptist? Uh, John the Baptist was Jesus's older cousin, actually, uh, who's eventually going to be beheaded. Uh, and John the Baptist was kind of famous in this culture because he, he lived out in the wilderness, ate honey and bugs, and wore animal clothing. And people thought he was nuts, but people actually went out by the drones to see him. They called him John the Baptist because he would baptize people in the Jordan River. Uh, and so, so this is who John the Baptist, so some people are saying, I think this is, just, this is John the Baptist now. Other people say, you're Elijah. Elijah, this Jewish prophet, hundreds and hundreds of years ago, the dude is dead understand. Elijah's no longer alive. And so they're saying, I think he's Elijah, this prophet, because this prophet Elijah in the Old Testament used to do all sorts of miracles. And so they're saying, we read, we read about this guy. I think this is him. He's come back from the dead. Uh, and, and other people, and it says, other ancient prophets risen from the bottom line is this, people have no stinking idea who you are, Jesus. And, and this is their guess. Uh, they just know you're doing miracles. Then Jesus flips the question from who do people say to, to who do you say that I am? Peter then replies, you are the Messiah sent from God. The word Messiah was a big deal to the Jewish people. It's actually the word Christ. Christ and Messiah are the same word in the original language of the Bible. So uh, some of your translations of the Bible actually say you are the Christ you are the Christ, the son of the living God. It's another place that, where that says. So understand, Peter responding here very boldly, he was saying, Jesus, you are the Messiah and you are sent from God. And then verse 21, Jesus warned his disciples not to tell anyone who he was. Weird verse, okay? You read that and you say, why would Jesus not want anybody to know who he was? Isn't that like counterproductive here? Okay, why doesn't he want, well, when you understand the situation, it begins to make sense. Jesus has just fed 5,000 people. Miraculously, he had five loaves and two fish, and he busts it up, and all of a sudden, he feeds all these people. It's a crazy miracle. It says at the end of that story that the, the crowd is ready to crown him king. Understand the situation, though. The Jewish people are under the rule of the Roman Empire. They don't have a king. The Jewish people can't have a king. What they are looking for is someone to lead them into victory over the Roman Empire. That's what the crowd wants right now. That's why they're, okay? And so they're ready to like crown him king. And, and, and the, the implication here is, all right, Jesus, let's raise up a military army and let's march up on down Jerusalem and we're gonna like smack these Romans upside the head and they'll go back. Okay, this is what they are looking for right here. So Jesus is like, these people are not ready yet for this. They're not, in fact, you're not ready uh, here even. The disciples at this point, don't, uh, they don't understand why Jesus had come. All of this here sets the stage for what Jesus is going to say next and then next. Okay, so here we go. 
they just declare Jesus the Messiah sent from God. Here's how Jesus responds. And I cannot begin to tell you how crazy this would have sounded to the disciples right there after they've just said, you are the Messiah, you are from God, we believe in you, Jesus. And then Jesus turns to them and he says this, the Son of Man must suffer terrible things. And they look at each other and go, what? That's nuts. No, 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 no. Jesus, you, you, you're wrong. He will be rejected by the elders, the leading priests, the teachers of the religious law. He'll be killed. But on the third day, he will be raised from the dead. The Son of Man must suffer, Jesus says to them. Doesn't make any sense. The Messiah sent by God is not supposed to suffer. And not only suffering and rejection by the religious leaders, like, wait a minute here, it, you, you say that you are going to be killed. Hold on a second. They cannot fathom. They cannot understand this. Um, this story is told in the book of Matthew as well, and Peter responds. When Matthew tells the story, he tells us about the way that Peter responds. And here's what it says this. This is Matthew 16. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Can you think, of, think about that for a second? Jesus, come here. You know, and he's like, he reprimands. I don't know what it looks like to reprimand Jesus, but that's awesome. And he says, heaven forbid, Lord. This will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and says, get away from me, Satan. That's the interaction. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God. Peter reprimands Jesus for saying this. Can you, can you feel the tension in what Jesus is saying in this encounter to his disciples and how they cannot understand and they're confused and what in the world is going. Jesus, this is crazy talk. You should not be saying things like this. That's what Peter's saying. Back to the passage in Luke, okay? All of that sets the stage for what Jesus is going to do next. That is, he turns and he addresses the massive crowd of people. I don't know, obviously he must have went down to a different place. I, we, it just goes from one verse to the next here. Okay, he just tells, he tells his disciples, I'm gonna suffer, I'm gonna be rejected, I'm gonna die. And then he turns and he talks to the crowd and listen to this. He says, if any of you want to be my follower, any of you wanna be my follower, you must give up your own way Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you are yourself lost or destroyed? He says, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. Okay, let's talk about this a little bit. What is Jesus saying here to this crowd of people? And then eventually, what does this say to you and me here today? Okay, understand this. This crowd of people, though they are following Jesus around, they are not actually followers of Jesus. Can you hear, can you hear and feel the difference? Being a follower of Jesus does not mean that you just follow him around and watch him do miracles. What are they? What is the crowd? The crowd is, they're more like a fan of Jesus. 
They're like Jesus fans is what they are, okay? What is a fan? You know what a fan is. It's like it's a person who cheers for someone, a person who cheers for a team or a musician or, uh, or a movie star or something like that. Uh, that's what a fan is. Uh, like the result, a person who really doesn't have a whole lot of skin in the game for what they're cheering for, they're a fan. Fans are finicky. Anyone know that? Okay. Fans are confusing. Fans will turn on you in a moment if they don't get their way. Uh, Viking fans, we'd be like, I, I love Kirk Cousins. He's such a great guy and such a great quarterback. We are blessed to have Kirk Cousins on our team. The very next week, we're like, we got to get rid of this bum. Okay? How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because we're fans. We're fans. I don't know what part you're clapping at. You want to do it. All right? But, but at this point, understand, Jesus has 5,000 plus fans following him around waiting to see what he would do next. Jesus has been nothing but good to them. Jesus is healing people. Jesus is giving them a free meal. Jesus is teaching, and they're like, wow, you're, it's so amazing to sit and listen to you, Jesus. They love this guy. They're walking, every, they're talking about him and saying, did you go hear Jesus' last sermon? Yeah, it was amazing, wasn't it? Yeah, and did you see what he did? Yeah, he healed that guy. I love this Jesus guy. Let's go see what he's gonna do next. Listen, Jesus said, like, people are, they, they love the benefit of this here. Their team is winning. Their team's winning. Jesus then invites this crowd of people to be a part of something greater, to be a part of something bigger than themselves, something that matters, but something that will cost them greatly is what the transition here is. Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must give up your own way. Well, what, is, what does that mean to give up your own way? Let me illustrate this for you for a minute. Go ahead and put that slide up here for me. Okay? At this point in the journey for these fans, for these people, this is where Jesus was. They had their life. And in their life, they had all sorts of different things, different pieces just, you have this too, by the way. You have your family, and it's a, different, it's a part of your life. And you have your career. It's a part of your life. And you have your stuff, the money that you earn, and the things that you own, and the house, and the car, and all of, for them it would have been the donkey. And they're, you know, they, they, you got all your stuff. You have the things that you do for fun and entertainment, and that's over here. And you have the friends that you hang out with. And you have Jesus as just another little bubble in all of the pieces of their life. And for many of us here today, this right here actually describes the way that you, you don't even do this on purpose, but the way that God, the way that Jesus, the way that church functions in your life. It is a piece of everything else that's going on, just one piece. And you go and you have your family life and you have your work life and you have your church life and those things don't interact. They're different parts and different bubbles in a way. Now this is what it looks like for these people to just sort of be fans. And like this, they can cut the tie to the Jesus bubble if they want. Because he's just a part of it, and if he doesn't do what I want him to do, then we'll just kind of fade out here. 
Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Here's what he's saying. You want to be my follower, then this entire thing needs to look different. In fact, it needs to go from this right here to something completely different. Let me show you what this needs to look like. Go to the next slide here for me. Okay? When Jesus now becomes, you see the whole thing turned yellow because Jesus was yellow. I thought that was pretty creative, by the way, <laughs> when I put that together. Yeah, it is. Okay? The idea here is Jesus begins to encompass and be a part of every area of a person's life. Where your family is now run through the lens of Jesus. And the things you do for fun is now run through the lens of Jesus. It's not Jesus as a part of your life. It is, okay, that's the way that a fan looks at this. A follower of Jesus, everything, you must give up your own way. Jesus becomes it all in your life. How you spend your money, what your career looks like, your family, your friends, your entertainment, all of that, okay? You want to be my follower, you must take everything, every piece, every part of your life and now run it through the lens of Jesus is at the center of it all. He's no longer a piece, he is now everything, okay? Everything you do. Now, then Jesus says this, he says, if you want, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way, and then he says, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Now we read take up your cross. We read that through the lens of Jesus dying on the cross, don't we? Like we understand the cross, but understand Jesus says this before he dies on the cross. These people don't understand Jesus dying on the cross, do they? Nod your head, that was pretty basic, but I want to make sure you're with me. Four of us understand that. Four, okay? So what does a first century Jewish person think of when they hear of the cross? Because they don't think of Jesus. What do they think of? Okay, they absolutely do not think of beautiful life change event of Jesus and how the grace and all, okay? Very simply, they think of a Roman execution. They have seen Roman executions in their street. They have they have held the hand of their child walking down the city, the streets of Jerusalem and seen people crucified, dying, and dead on crosses. As the Roman Empire's way of keeping the Jewish people in line by the, by the use of fear, okay? This is what they think of. Jesus has just said to them, you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way and go sit in an electric chair every day. This is, like, think about this for a moment. Uh, what is this? The picture is physical death. The implication here is, obviously, dying to myself. My life is now gone. My life is now about Jesus. It's more of the same. Okay? So are you with me so far? All right. Question, why in the world would someone ever do that? give up their very self, die to themselves. Why would we live a life where Jesus is Lord of everything? That seems like a really big cost for us to pay. And, okay, think about this. Well, as he continues, Jesus hints at something 
something that doesn't really make sense to us here and now. Uh, Listen to what Jesus says as he continues this. Verse 24, he says, if you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If, If I try to hang on to my life, I will lose it. Think about that through the words of you've never heard this before. If I try to hang on to my life, I will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you yourself are lost or destroyed? Jesus is communicating something quite deep here. It's this idea, okay? It's actually in giving up everything that I am and everything that I have that I actually find true life. What do you mean? If I give up everything that I have and everything that I am, wouldn't I actually have less things? How, how can this? Jesus, what are, what are you talking about here? It's actually in giving up, it's in dying to yourself, giving up your own way that we actually find true, real, purpose-filled life. If you try and hang on to your life, you will lose it because that's not what you were created to do. You were created by God on purpose for a purpose. And when we try to steal away, in a way, God's purpose from us and we begin to move it over here and say, well, my purpose of my life is actually me. And my purpose is actually making money and having my family happy and having more things and getting a good job and and living that then that's I'm, so what we do is we steal what God the way that God intended us to be the way that God created us to be living our lives with him at the center and and for him everything we are and everything that we have and we push that away and we say no 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 and Jesus says if you do that you will actually lose it all. It's in staying here and going here and living like this that you will actually experience and find the true life and the real life. Someone, just like one of you, should have said, like, wow, that's good, or something like that. I feel like I'm talking to a bunch of northern Norwegian Germaners. Who... Yeah, thank you. All right, there we go. All right. Understand, understand something here. The true message of the gospel is more than God became man, Jesus died for you, and you can have eternal life. The real gospel is God is inviting you, he's inviting me, he's inviting us to give our lives for the cause of Jesus because of what he has done. He gave it all, and we in turn give it all for him. And listen, that may, that may not make a whole lot of sense to some of us in this place, but I'm telling you, when the love of Jesus, when it grips you and it, and it becomes a reality to you, like you gladly turn and say, God, I am yours, all that I am and all that I have, I am yours. Okay, music team, will you please come? But before we go, don't check out yet. Don't even close your notebooks. You're gonna want, this is, this is all we've built to this spot right here. Two minutes of let's go. So, are you with me? Okay. All right. I want to put that picture with all the bubbles on the screen back up again. Okay, here we go. Many of you in this place, this is you. 
the God thing, the Jesus thing, is a peace to your life. <clears throat> and when it's convenient, and when it doesn't cost you anything, and when you have time in your schedule, you make this happen. But it is not your priority. It is just one of a number of things that are happening in your life. You watching online right now, this, for some of us, this is, this is you. This is, I'm describing your life. He's a piece of your life. And for the most part, your church life doesn't really overlap with the other areas in your life. Jesus is not a part of your job. And he's not a part of what you do for fun. And he's not a part of the things that you have and how you spend your money. Jesus is one of a bunch of individual bubbles in your life. Let me tell you what you are. You're a flexitarian. Okay? What you're doing here is, I'm a Christian, but I'm just not 100% committed. And don't hear that as me condemning you or me kicking you and saying you're no good or whatever. Like, hear this as a real, just a real life, this is accurate. Because if Jesus isn't involved in these other areas of your life, there's no way you are 100% committed to the cause of Christ. God is inviting you today to move to this. Go put the next one up for me. Okay? Where Jesus is the center of your family. Listen to me. Where you, pri you prioritize church because you know it'll impact your kids. And you talk about God with your family. And you pray together. And Jesus becomes the center of the way you think about raising your children. Is Jesus the center of the way that you think about raising your children? Not sports, not music, not education, not trying to raise them right. Jesus becomes the center of your family. And Jesus becomes the center of your career. Listen to me. Where it's not just about making money. It's not just about working hard. It's not just about putting in your time so you can retire some day. It's so much more than that. Understand, you begin to see your career as an opportunity to serve Jesus. And you begin to pray for the people that you work with. And you begin to, uh, like, you show them Jesus and how you work and how you handle yourself. And the words you say, your career becomes about Jesus. And your friends and your friends and the things you do for fun, they become about Jesus. And you begin to see the things that you're doing. Listen to me here. Think about the fun things that you do in your life through the lens of this is about serving Jesus. And for some of us in this place, you don't want to think those thoughts. Why? Because you know that the things that you are doing are not very Jesus-like. And the things that you're watching and the places you're going things that you are doing for entertainment, think about that for a moment with me through the lens of Jesus, everything that you are. 1 Corinthians 10 31, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Every piece, everything you do for the glory of God. And this includes your stuff. It includes the things you have. It includes your money how you spend it.
begin to include Jesus. When was the last time that you asked God about how you should be spending your money? When was the last time you asked God about how much he would have you give away? Not very many of us are asking ourselves, are asking God how we should spend our money. Why? Because we're afraid of what he will say. that we have not let God in the stuff portion of our life. Please stand with me all over this place. Before we go, we're just going to take a moment just for a time of prayer and reflection. The reality of this situation is in the great freedom that we have here in America, wealth that we have in America compared to the rest of the world and the the history of our world, we have created a version of Christianity that really isn't that much like Jesus, where it doesn't really cost us anything, uh, where we just kind of live apathetic, complacent, if I have time, if I have extra Jesus is literally calling people to come and die for him to come and give it all to come and live their lives with a different purpose in mind a life that is not just lived for my own benefit and my own selfishness and my own family and my own safety and comfort and my own wealth a life that is lived with Jesus at the center. That's a very, very different thing. And we must be very careful as Americans because freedom is a beautiful thing. Wealth is a great thing. But two things that can be a that can be a trap that can lead very easily to a very complacent version of what it means to follow Jesus. With no one looking around here for just a moment, just a time of privacy and reflection maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Kyle, I I have never actually responded to the message of Jesus. I've never given my life to him. I've never made him Lord of my life and received the gift of salvation. See, the Bible says we're all sinners. The Bible says we are all separated from God. It's why he sent Jesus to die for you so that you could be forgiven, that you could be free for those that call on the name of the Lord and put their faith and their trust in him. You can be saved. That's the words of the Bible. And maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Kyle, I've never done that. I've never made that decision. I've never even really started this journey. And I'm not asking you if you go to church or have been baptized or confirmed. or Like, that's not what this is. Have you ever truly, a heart thing, given your life to Jesus and responded to him? And if you're here and you would say, I've never done that and I want to do that today. Will you just quickly show me your hand? I just want to pray for you. If you're watching this online right now, you can respond as well. Uh, you can hit a respond button or raise a hand or whatever it says right there. And go. we would love for you to respond. You're a part of this moment as well. Anyone in this place that would say, yes, this is me. Today is my day. Right now is my moment. Church, can we all just say a prayer together? Everyone in this place, even online, say this with us. Let's pray these words. Pray, Father God. I give you my life. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me.
forgive me of my sins and change my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together and let's celebrate that today. If that is you, we celebrate with you. Now, one final thing. I'm going to kind of, I'm going to close us in prayer, but I fully understand this. God is speaking to some of us uh, very deeply, big things in your life, challenging things, and you're trying to work through and figure out what this looks like. And, and the reality is, I believe God is speaking to different people in different ways today, encouraging some who need that, challenging some who need that, uh, aligning you, bringing you back, whatever it is. I want us to just pray together, and as I kind of close us in prayer, will you do, th will you do this? I want you to kind of personalize this moment as I pray and say, God, this is, this is what I pray. Everyone in this place, let's do that. And so, God, I just pray, I pray that as we walk out these doors today, that we would carry with us something new and something different, and that your very word would challenge us, would bring us back would encourage those that need that. And Lord, we, we pray, God, in such a supernatural way that we, would, that we would step out of the complacent, apathetic version of what it looks like to be a Christian here sometimes, and that we would truly figure out how to give it all and move closer to that, oh Lord. So God, we want to serve you. We love you. We need you. And so Lord, we just pray in the name of Jesus that you change us, that you would move in and through us. God, help us to show people your love and tell people your story. And we pray all of this in the powerful, life-changing name of Jesus. And everybody said...